Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Political hitmen. I'm Howie Silberger, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. Well, we just passed Hanukkah. Just, just, just a couple of days ago, Hanukkah ended. It's very sad. Now, Hanukkah is my favorite holiday. I, I love Hanukkah. And uh, I don't love it for the reason most people love it. I love Hanukkah because I, I love the fact that we're celebrating Jewish military victory. This is why I love Hanukkah. Because it's not it's not a holiday that, that we say, oh, we lost, we were beaten, we were, dis- we were destroyed, we were killed, we must commemorate that. It's not a holiday where we where, where we celebrate, where we commemorate, where we commemorate um, uh, people dying due to a plague or due to something else. It is the celebration of Jewish military victory over our enemies, the celebration of the of the of the conquering, of the reconquering. Of the recapture of the of of the of the reclaiming of Jewish ancestral land, and this is why we celebrate Hanukkah. Now, now, what makes me laugh, and and I laugh every year about this. Um, usually, I do a show on Hanukkah. I didn't do a show this year on Hanukkah, but usually, I do a show on Hanukkah. And 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 when I do the show on Hanukkah, I usually ask the question, uh, uh, "Who is the who are the Maccabees? Who are the Maccabees today?" Um, but but I didn't do that this year, so. What makes me laugh about uh, about Hanukkah is when I see people who are anti-Israel, people who hate the state of Israel, people who call for the destruction of the state of Israel, lighting the menorah. That, that makes me laugh. I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about uh, this kind of this kind of the dichotomy of people who say they hate Israel but, but celebrate Hanukkah, and, and it doesn't make any sense. It's it's illogical. And I want to talk about Jewish culture versus versus reality. I want to talk about I want to talk about all this right here on Political Hitman on Israel News Talk Radio. You could join me in the conversation, of course. You could join me in the chat room on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. You could call in in North America 301-768-4841. In Israel, 0265-00151. Those numbers could of course be found on the top of the page at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. I'm Howie Silverger, this is Political Hitman on Israel News Talk Radio. Hello, I am Walter Bingham. If you want to hear the news behind the news and the true perspective on world affairs, then the Walter Bingham File is the program for you. We bring you interviews with the movers and shakers, political commentaries, and on-the-spot reports of events as they happen. All here every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Israel Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And it's all archived on our website. Make it a date. Political hitman. I'm Howie Silberger, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. Feel free to join me in the chat room at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. The chat's always fun. 
You can also call in. The show is live, so you can call in. Numbers to call in North America, 301-768-4841. In Israel, the number is 0265-00151. Those numbers could, of course, be found on the top of the page at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. So Hanukkah just uh, just ended a few days ago, and uh, and as sad as I am that Hanukkah ended, uh, I have to tell you that Hanukkah is my favorite holiday out of all the holidays in the entire world. In the entire world, exactly, all religions in the entire world. I love Ham. I love Hanukkah. I love Hanukkah because Hanukkah celebrates Jewish military victory. Yes, yes, it does. And 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 I laugh. I laugh every single year. When I see people who are anti-Israel lighting the Hanukkah candles, this makes me laugh. So, so this year was no exception to the rule. Uh, I saw some people I know who hate Israel. They were lighting the Hanukkah candles, and I went over to one of them and I said, "Hey, listen, uh, I'm I'm just curious, more more curiosity than anything else. Why are you lighting the Hanukkah candles?" And, and the guy looked at me and he says to me. Says to me, well, because I'm Jewish and that's what we do on Hanukkah. I said, okay, I can, I can accept that. Uh, I said, but but what is the significance behind lighting the candles? What what, what are you you know what what are you signifying? And he says, well, you know, it's the miracle of the oil. He says, you know, in the temple, the temple was destroyed and they they only found one day's worth of oil, and that day's worth of oil lasted eight eight days. And I, I looked at him. I said to him, "Yeah, but why was it, why was the temple destroyed?" And he said, "He said, well, you know, the Assyrians came and they destroyed the temple, and then, and, and and so everything was in shambles." I said, "And so the miracle of Hanukkah is the fact that that the oil lasted for eight days. One day's worth of oil lasted for eight days." And he says to me, "Yes, one hundred percent. That's the miracle." And I said, "I, I think I'm going to disagree with you on this one." That, that's there. There were a couple of miracles of Hanukkah, but that wasn't the main miracle. Sure, the oil lasted to eight days. Okay, it doesn't normally happen, and that's that was a miraculous thing that the that the oil was able to last eight days. But I think there was a bigger miracle when it comes to Hanukkah. I think that the celebration, the joy that we that we feel in Hanukkah, the the celebration, the the dancing and the singing and the and the, and the laughing and the and and the entire the entire Hanukkah miracle. Is much more than just oil lasting for eight days. The miracle of Hanukkah is the fact that a small army defeated a huge army and reclaimed Jewish ancestral land, reclaimed our, our holy temple. That that's the miracle. That's the miracle. Sure, the 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 candles lighting for eight days, the oil. Is symbolic of the oil that that they, that they had there. That the one day of oil that lasted for eight days. It, it, it's very symbolic of that. But I think the main miracle of Hanukkah is the fact that that the Jewish people that the Jewish people conquered their land. The guy looked at me and said to me, "Howie, you're you're nuts." I went to Jewish school, he said, and you may not have gone to Jewish school, he says, but when I went to Jewish school, I went to Hebrew school, and the Hebrew school taught me that the miracle of Hanukkah is the eight days, is the lamp, the, the lighting of the candles for eight days. He says, so if you say anything else that you say, that's not what I learned in Hebrew school. And I looked at him and I said to him, 
Well, maybe that's the problem with Hebrew school. Maybe that's the issue with Hebrew school. Maybe the problem is that they're not teaching Jewish history properly. They're not teaching Jewish holidays properly. They're not teaching what we really should be focusing on. Perhaps, just perhaps, Jewish history is being taught wrong in Jewish schools. He looked at me and says to me, how dare you say that? What kind of person do you think you are? You think you know everything? He went off on this whole tyrant, uh, tyrannical, you know, uh, screaming at me. And I, I looked at him. I said to him, look, I'm not here to get into a fight with you. I'm not here to argue with you. I'm entitled to my opinion. You're entitled to your opinion. I respect your opinion. You respect mine. And I, and I walked away from him because I learned a long time ago, over the years, I learned a long time ago that fighting with an anti-Israel person when they're celebrating the reestablishment of Israel, uh, would be uh, would would be kind of counterproductive. Uh, I didn't get into with him, and I should have really gotten into it. That in 1948, it was essentially it was essentially an almost recreation of Hanukkah, and then in 1967, it was almost a full recreation of Hanukkah. But I, I didn't get into that with him. I I, I didn't bother because that, that that point would have been lost on him. In 1967, we recaptured the Temple Mount. Israel finally, the Jewish people finally recaptured their holiest site in Judaism. And what do we do? So, so in biblical times, in the times of the uh, of the Maccabees, what did they do? They recaptured the Temple Mount and they reestablished the Temple, and they they lit the menorah, and the menorah lasted uh, one 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 day's worth of oil, lasted for eight days. <clears throat> that's what they did back then. What did we do? We recaptured the Temple Mount. It was a recreation of the Hanukkah story. It was a small army versus a big army versus a bunch of big armies. We won. We won a decisive victory, and we captured the Temple Mount. And we held in our hands for the first time in, in, in generations, in many, many generations, we held in our hands for the first time the holiest site in Judaism. And what did we do as, as, as the Jewish nation? What did we do as, as Jews? We didn't light the menorah. We didn't, we celebrated, we danced, we sang, we celebrated, we didn't light the menorah though. We gave the keys to our enemies. Now, now think about this for a second because it makes no sense. There's no logic behind it. There's no, there's no, there's no semblance of any kind of, of, of rational thought process behind it. Here we are, a nation who defeated our enemies decisively. Not even a question that Israel won the Six Day War. And then Israel turns over the holiest site in Judaism to the enemy. And what does the enemy do? They immediately ban Jews from the site. What a full circle. We ran in there. And why did that happen? Well, there, there are numerous reasons that happened, and none of them are political. And that's the, that's, that's the horrific part of this whole story, is that the modern-day Hanukkah story, where the Jews recaptured the Temple Mount, and the Jews were theoretically able to build a temple on the Temple Mount, Theoretically, we were there. We could have done it. 
But we chose not to, and we chose to turn it over. And the reason we chose to turn it over was not a religious reason. It was not a political reason. And, and, and I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for saying this, but I really believe that we didn't keep the Temple Mount because some of the Jewish leaders, and I'll use Jewish in quotation marks, some of the Jewish leaders that were running Israel at the time really didn't appreciate the Jewish religion. They really weren't religion lovers. They were socialists. They were communists. They did not like religion. And the fact that this was the holiest place in Judaism, while they may have been cognizant of that fact, they might have they may they might have been really, really, really aware of the fact that this was the holiest place in Judaism. They probably just didn't care. Now, a while ago, we we did a show. We did a show where we talked about if Messiah, uh, if Messiah came already, or if Messiah could come, or if Messiah came tomorrow, would we recognize the signs that Messiah was there? In 1967, the, the signs were there that that Mashiach was here, that Messiah had come. Jews re-entered the holiest sites of Judaism. They they recaptured them from our enemies. Now, I know religion, people, uh, different sects of religion are never going to agree on anything. But how much more of a sign could God give that he's ready than giving you the land that you're supposed to build on? And what did we do with that miracle? What did we do with that gift from God? We gave it away. It's interesting because uh, we can make a parallel to, to, to the story of, uh, of, of Jacob, uh, of Joseph. We can, we can make the parallel, parallel, Jacob and his brother and, and, and the birthright. We can, we can make that parallel. We gave it away. We, we just handed it to the end. Why would we do that? And why would the Jewish community around the world accept that and still accept it till today? We, we we can't even we can't even agree that Israel is a sovereign nation. As Jews, we have a hard time even agreeing that Israel is a sovereign nation and has the right to control their own territory. We are our own worst enemies. This is this is what it comes down to. The apathy of the Jewish community and the advocacy of the people who aren't ap- apathetic, the advocacy against Israel for the people who aren't apathetic, is what is putting Israel into danger today, putting Judaism into danger today, putting Jews into danger today. I'm Howie Silberger, this is Political Hitman on Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, 
Hi everyone, this is Andrea Simento from Jerusalem inviting you to drop everything and join me on my show, Pull Up a Chair. We'll visit this week's quirky stories, meet fabulous guests, and discover my Israel. Together we'll laugh, shout, and explain the topics that make us say, hey, we've got to talk about that. So get comfortable and pull up a chair with me, Andrea Simento, every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. Political hitman. I'm Howie Silberger, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. The show is live. Feel free to call in. In North America, the number is 301 768 4841. In Israel, the number is 0265-00151. You could join me in the chat room at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, where the chat is always exciting, always interesting, and uh, and always entertaining. That's, that's the truth. It's always entertaining. So I, I we were talking about Hanukkah, and um, I, I just read, I read today that in 1979, Jimmy Carter the president of the United States at the time, was the first United States president to light the menorah. Now, now think about the irony about the, of this, that Jimmy Carter, the man who, uh, the man who, wrote, who wrote a book talking about how Israel, how, how the Jews stole the land from, from fictional people called the Palestinians, was the first president to light a menorah, to light, to light the candelabra, which commemorates the Jewish conquering of Israel and 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 Jerusalem. Do you not see the irony? Do you not see? I mean, there's a little bit of comedy involved in this. Uh, I I think I every president since Jimmy Carter, so every anti-Israel president since Jimmy Carter has actually lit the menorah at the White House. Which, which I find, I find fascinating, that a president like um, like Barack Obama could get up and light the menorah, and then a couple of days later insist that Israel give up half, half their country to to a fictional people claiming the land. I, I think it's I think it's, I, I think it's mind blowingly fascinating that in one minute he could be saying, "Let's celebrate the Jewish conquering of Jerusalem," and then the next minute he could say. Let's cut Jerusalem in half and give half to, to 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 a fictional people who are who are who have a fictional claim to to the land. It's it's mind boggling, and it's mind boggling that intelligent people, and I like to assume that most of the world are intelligent people. I like to assume that 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 most journalists. I work with a lot of journalists. I know a lot of them aren't so smart, but I like to assume that most journalists that 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 work in media are relatively intelligent people. And I, I just don't understand that when it comes to Israel, and I don't get it, but when it comes to Israel, they seem to have a problem connecting the dots. There seems to be a problem going from point A to point B. Uh, point A being that, that Jews are the indigenous people to, to the land of Israel. I mean, Jews are named after the land that they came from, Judea. So, so they're the indigenous people to this land. And B, that the Jews came back and, and retook the land that they were the indigenous people for, people 
who have been called Jews for, for, for eternity, retook the land of Judea and and some politicians and some journalists claim that they don't have a claim that Jews don't have a claim to the land. Uh, it's it's awfully confusing to me that intelligent people who are very intelligent in a lot of other things seem to have this blockage in their brain when it comes to Israel and Jews. And and we've discussed this before, and I, I you know I talk about this topic a lot because this blockage doesn't come from nowhere. So we could blame some of the blockage. We could blame some of this 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 mental block on the fact that that big corporations and 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 billionaires who run these corporations. And keep in mind, world media is run by four companies. So so people who run these four companies, or at least three of the four companies have a personal dislike to either Jews or to Israel. So we could we, we, we keep that in mind. And, and that 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 taints, you know, you know, rot starts from the top down. So that taints the all right, so technical problem fixed. We're back. All right, I'm Howie Silberger. This is Political Hitman and uh and you know some live radio, this is what happens. Sometimes uh sometimes you know Technology, uh, an old man once told me, I've been working in radio a long time, an old man once told me, uh, technology works as long as, uh, as long as it works. I mean, that's, that's such, a great, uh, such a great line, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's quite obvious, but that's what it is. So sometimes you get technical glitches, what happens when you're doing a live show. Thank you for being patient, and, uh, and we're back, and I'm happy to be back. And, um, and I, was, I was just talking about uh, how, how I feel that, that it's, it's really problematic to me that there are journalists out there that really do not feel that they have to be objective in any way shape or form i i think it's i think it's 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 really detestable that we have that we have situations where people are working for for media companies that 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 the publisher of the media company hates israel and the journalists are forced to hate israel if if a guy wants to work for CNN, he can't come on to CNN and claim to be an Israel lover. He has to he has to have some kind of negativity towards the Jewish state. Uh, I remember years ago I was working for a newspaper and um, and I went to cover a pro-Israel rally. And at the time I was a young journalist. I had uh, I had just started covering. Uh, I started working for newspapers. And uh, I went to cover this pro-Israel rally, which was a rally that happened every year. And the story basically wrote itself. He's, it was really like one of those, one of those send the kid out to do, you know, the, the the story that nobody wants to do. So I went to this rally and I said, you know, I'm going to do it a little differently. And instead of writing the same story, five thousand people showed up to the rally, and this guy spoke, and that guy spoke, and everybody was happy, and look at the joyous crowd, blah 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 blah. I decided to do it a little differently, and I went and I, um, I went and uh, I interviewed the 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 organizers of the pro-Israel rally. Then I went and interviewed the people who were protesting against Israel at the rally, and I wrote a balanced piece presenting both points of view. Not that I wanted to really highlight the anti-Israel point of view. I felt I felt that you know if this was happening at a rally and the rally was there and there were counter-protesters and people were making political points on one side. Maybe we should balance it out, as a journalist should, uh, with a well-rounded article covering both sides of the issue. I handed the article in, 
the Israeli publisher of the newspaper I was working for uh, called me up and said to me, you think I'm going to publish this? you got to change it. You take out all the anti-Israel stuff, only pro-Israel stuff in my newspaper. I got a great lesson that day. I learned that objectivity doesn't exist in journalism. It never did. What exists in journalism are publishers that pay journalists to cover their perspective. That works universally with all media. So you can't you can't you can't waver from the perspective of the publisher. He who pays the bill has the say. Simple as that. So most journalists, nearly all journalists, have to work within the boundaries of the editorial policies of the newspapers and of the radio stations and of the TV stations they work for. And if those boundaries are anti-Jewish or anti or anti-Israel, and those reporters have to fall into line or they'll be quickly looking for another job. I'm Howie Silverger. This is Political Hitman on Israel. News Talk Radio. Are you interested in transforming your life? drawing closer to the Creator, and uncovering the deeper meanings and hidden treasures in the Hebrew Bible? Then join me, Rav Yitzhak Michelson, and me, William Hall, on the Science of Kabbalah, where we are seeking to narrow the gap between what we understand of our physical and spiritual worlds. So make sure to tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Israel Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Israel News Talk Radio. Political hitman. I'm Howie Silberger, your political hitman here on Israel News Talk Radio. Let's talk. I, I'm, I'm hosting this show. It's live, and uh, I know you're listening because uh, I see you out there. I know you're listening, and it'd be nice to talk to you. You see, when we do talk shows, when we do live talk shows, the reason we do them live is because we want audience interaction. That's, that's the whole idea of doing a talk show live. When we don't get the audience interaction, um, we know that you're listening and we know that you might be a little shy calling in. That's fine. Don't worry. I don't bite. <laughs> but uh, when we don't get the interaction, it makes the show a lot less fun. Not less fun to do, but less fun to listen to. Less fun. Less, it's less energetic. So, so it'd be really nice to speak to somebody. Be really nice if you called in and and we had a conversation uh, on the topic. Uh, you could call in. The numbers are in North America three zero one seven six eight four eight four one. In Israel, the number is zero two six five zero zero one five one. If you're too shy to call in, and that happens, I, I I've been there. I, I I've I've seen people who are really way too shy to call in. You could always uh, join me in the chat room. And just go to IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com and click on the Listen Live button, the chat room button on the top of the page. And, uh, of course, you could call in. Now, I know you didn't write down those numbers that I gave before. So they're also on the top of the page at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Feel free to join me right here on the air on Israel News Talk Radio. I'd love to talk to you. So we're at the point in, in, in Jewish history where we're working against ourselves. We're, we're, we're so comfortable 
living affluent lives, living in the diaspora, living in uh, living in Israel, which is a very secular country. We, we've come to a point where where we're so fat on uh, fat fat economically. We're we're so we're so rich and we're so wealthy and we're so successful that apathy has set in. I remember a few years ago, I had um, I had a former Mossad agent on my show, and, and we were talking, and uh, and I mentioned that when you look at the exploits of the Mossad from fifty and sixty years ago, they seem a lot more exciting than the exploits of the Mossad today. In fact, he was on my show after Mossad had had messed up three or four different operations. So. Um, <clears throat> I asked the, uh, the the gentleman from the Mossad. I said to him, "Why would we, why would we have this problem? Why why is the Mossad not as effective today as it was, let's say, fifty years ago?" And he he looked at me and he says to me, "Howie, the answer is that Jews have become apathetic. Israelis have become apathetic. We've become too successful. The country's too rich. We're too secure in our in our nationhood." He says, not that it's a bad thing that we're too secure, that we're secure in our nationhood, that we're rich and that we're successful. That's not a bad thing. But what it did was it, it, it made Israelis lose the drive, lose the drive for success, lose the drive for survival, lose that whole, the, the, whole, the, whole, <coughs> the whole idea that Israel could disappear tomorrow. Drove a lot of people to do a lot of crazy things, he said. The fact that we we don't have that drive anymore, we don't have the fear that Israel is going to disappear tomorrow, has, uh, has has really made people lay back, made people pull back, made people say, "All right, you know, we're safe." So that sense of urgency is not there anymore. And I thought about that for a long time. I said, "Wow, what an insight! What a crazy insight this guy just gave." Think about it. In, uh, think about it in terms of your personal lives. When you're struggling and you don't have money, you will take any job. You will do anything to pay your bills. You, you'll, you'll, you'll sweep the floors, wash the toilets, do whatever you have to do to pay the bills. When you become affluent, you, you work your way up, you become successful, you become affluent, and suddenly you have money. Suddenly you don't want to do those jobs anymore. You don't want to have to clean the toilets. You hire somebody to do that. You don't want to have to sweep the floor. You hire somebody. You don't want to have to do all the menial labor. You hire people to do it. Gardeners, uh, maids, uh, cooks, you name it, you hire. And what happens What happens when you start hiring people to do these jobs? Two things happen. First thing is you, can, you become dependent on these people. So suddenly, if one of them quits, you're, you're stuck. You want me to go and do that? I'm not going to go do that. Now I have to go hire somebody else to do it. And the second thing that, uh, that happens is you start losing the skill. So if you were a good cook or you were a good gardener or you were a good whatever, and, and you hired someone to do it and you stop doing it for a very long time, you become rusty at what you do. I remember years ago, a newspaper hired me, and it's normal in the newspaper business. You go back and forth between different newspapers. And I was working for a national newspaper, and the national newspaper fired me. And... Um, and and so when um when they fired me, uh, I had a no competition clause, and they fired me, 
And that clause came into effect whether I quit or they fired me. And I had to sit out for, for months and months and months before I could get a job somewhere else. And so I sat at home, and uh, I think it was four or five months I had to sit at home, and I wasn't allowed publishing anything anywhere. So I couldn't publish online. I couldn't publish. I, I couldn't write anything, couldn't publish anything. I was able to do my radio show because that was separate from the newspaper contract. But written word, I wasn't allowed to do. So um, so basically, I, I didn't write anything for months, uh, not, nothing publishable. I got hired by another newspaper just you know, four or five months later, whenever the contract ran out, I got hired by another newspaper. And the first thing they wanted me to do, they gave me a column to write. It was a conspiracy theory column. I had to write about conspiracy theories. Okay. 750-word column. When I was working for the previous paper five months before, to write 750 words used to take me, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes. I'd have, a, you know, the rough draft of the column done. It'd take me an hour. I'd have the whole column done. I sat down to write the column after four months of not writing a column. And it took me three hours to write the first column. And I, I couldn't understand why it was taking me so long. Something that was just second nature to me, something I was able to do and something that I, I didn't even have to think about. Now it was taking me so long to do it. And then it hit me that it took so long because it was rusty, because I hadn't done it in a long time. It just took forever for me to be able to get to do it. That's what happens. When we get affluent, we become apathetic. We stop, we stop using the skills that we have. We stop using the talents that we have. And we rely on other people to do the work for us. And that's what happened to Israel. And that's what happened to the Jewish people. They became too affluent. And becoming too affluent, the sense of urgency, the sense of survival, the sense of, uh, of having to fight for your rights, fight to survive, vanished and so it was okay in 1967 as israel realized in the euphoria of winning a war against five arab armies that were coming to destroy you israel felt they were invincible when religion didn't factor into it and nobody cared about the religious aspect of it it was okay to give away the temple mount it was okay for the Mossad to drop their guard and, and to fail a few times because they were so successful in the past. And so we're, we're, we don't have the sense of urgency. We're not, going to, we're not going to get destroyed. One failure, two failures, three failures isn't going to destroy the country. So who cares? And it's okay for 55% of, of Jews in North America to intermarry. Because, you know, there's still, there's still another 45% that aren't. This kind of apathy... Is destroying our people. We were we're losing the war on apathy, and because we're losing the war with apathy, we're we're getting seriously damaged, and it gets to a point where the damage to the hull gets so much that the water starts leaking in, and eventually the boat sinks. Apathy, believing that we're invincible. Believing that, that because, because we're successful, nothing could ever happen to us is probably the worst business decision anybody could ever make and the worst decision any country could ever make. I will venture to say that Jew hatred around the world has not changed at all since World War II. I will venture to say 
that even though we are affluent, that affluence could disappear in minutes, in seconds, when some government decides that they're tired of the Jewish population. We've seen it before, and as as we all know, if we don't remember history, we're bound to repeat it. So let's learn from the mistakes of history and understand that no matter how assimilated you are, that no matter how much you think you're accepted member of the population, no matter how much money you have or how successful your business is, you're always a Jew. And the Jew hater will always hate you. Can't get more clear than that. History has proven it over and over and over again. And yet for some reason, it still hasn't penetrated our skulls. When we have the opportunity to claim what is ours, when we have the opportunity to stand up for what is ours, when we have the opportunity to fight for what is ours, it's our responsibility to stand up and do it. Fight for it. Claw to the death for it. That's what we have to do for survival. I'm Howie Silberger. This is Political Hitman. I'll see you again next week. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dots, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dots from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.